0: Wise men follow him, wise men follow for the and the they lead Good morning,
1: Northern Maine. Welcome to the Northern Mainland Man Show on the Constitutional Radio Network, the Conscience of Maine. Broadcast today in Maine on WXME 780 AM in Monticello, 1700 AM in Lewiston, 88.1 FM in Westbrook and Orono, 96.5 FM in Brewer, Bangor, Maine. Hearing this on Saturday, July 30th, 2016. And Lee, Maine, last night, may have had one of those little force zero or one tornadoes come through. It was a twister, and it uh, tore off a whole bunch of really big trees 30 feet off the ground. Some were blown off to the toward the east, and some were blown off toward the west, which indicates to the average person a twister. Don't know if the weather service will come down from caribou to look at it, but quite a lot of quite a lot of damage. Nobody lost a home. We had some homes damaged but they're all livable. Be a while before they get power back, a whole lot of whole lot of utility poles snapped off, anywhere from ground level up to halfway up. And uh it was about two thirty, three o'clock yesterday afternoon. Took a bunch of pictures and uh send them off to my relatives in case they hear about it. Uh, our house we never lost a leaf. There's absolutely no no indication where uh where we anything happen. But uh, part of the town is quite torn up, great big trees uprooted and uh right at Lee Academy is a great big tree has been there for a hundred years, blew over and laid it right on the Lee Academy sign, flattened that. It's quite a quite a blow. I was in Bangor yesterday, had quite a storm come through there, just thunder and lightning and down, torrential rain. I mean really heavy rain. Haven't seen rain like that in a long time. But Saturday, mostly sunny, high near seventy nine, northwest wind around seven miles an hour. Perfect weekend coming. Sunday, mostly sunny, high near seventy eight. Northwest wind, 3 to 5 miles an hour. Just a slight breeze. Low humidity. Sunday night, chance of rain, mostly cloudy. Low near 58. North wind around 5 miles an hour. Becoming calm in the evening. Chance of precipitation is 30%. And Monday, chance of showers, partly sunny. High near 76. Calm wind. Chance of precipitation, 40%. Now, Gas prices are declining all over our country, except for the the poor storekeeper who topped off his tank when the price it was at a high point. And, uh, the old economics uh, classic example is a hardware store bought a roll of barbed wire in 1950. It's been sitting on the shelf all this time, and a guy comes in to buy the barbed wire. And there are two ways of accounting, standard accounting practices. It's uh, FIFO and LIFO. FIFO is first in, first out. But if you got something like a roll of barbed wire, how is he going to price it based on what he paid for it in 1950 or what it would cost him to replace the barbed wire right now if he wanted to stock it? Well, if his turnover is... Once every half century, there's not much point in replacing that in stock. But first in, first out is one way of accounting. The other way of accounting is last in, first out. Well, if you've got a tank of of fuel in the ground, whether it's gas or diesel, how do you price it? Well, you have to kind of follow the pricing that your, your neighbors price it. The gas price in Auburn today is $1.97, and it's gone down five weeks in a row nationally. And the price of oil by the barrel is declining also. Now, why is this happening? It's happening because of lack of demand. And people aren't buying fuel. Companies aren't buying fuel. People aren't buying products that need to be hauled by truck. Retailers are seeing declining sales, and you're going to see more and more retailers just simply closing, closing down their their stores. You know, nationally, Kmart, Sears. Not so much Walmart. Walmart has a has a business model, and they got a whole bunch of, of economists with MBAs down there in Arkansas that keep an eye on things, trends. Some trends you can't you can't uh anticipate because they're fads. But when it comes to the basics, food, clothing and shelter, people are cutting back and not buying unnecessarily. The gas price now in lower Maine is two forty nine, all over the place. Uh, you know, that's more than fifty cents higher or more than 20% higher than it is in more than 25% higher than it is in Auburn, for example. But that's because they bought it when it was high. They're going to try to they're going to try to uh, recover some of that investment because if you buy a product and the value of the product goes down, you, you're going to do one of two things: you're going to sit on it and hope the price comes back up again, or you're just going to bite the bullet and take the loss. The price of gas, the price of diesel in South Portland is $2.11 a gallon right now. But that's essentially right beside the tank farm. Big tank farmers in South Portland, and they have basic fuels in there. And Presque Isle to Augusta, it's $2.49 a gallon. I mean, everything from Presque Isle down to Augusta, there's lots of places where diesel is 2 49 and once again, the retailer got caught uh, buying diesel. Well they're not a high volume dealer this This principle of first in first out doesn't affect high volume dealers as much because you buy a tank of fuel today and and the tank truck comes rolling in uh Monday to fill up again, and the price doesn't change that rapidly. But if you've got a low-volume dealer, you know, he's sitting there on on a uh, tank of fuel in the ground. And hes it's been a while. If a guy is, is uh, you know, he's fueling boats up on Moosehead, well, first of all, that's an expensive operation to begin with. But if you've got a rural dealer with a big tank and they've bypassed you, like McQuarhawk, for example. McQuarhawk, they used to pump gas, and they put in the interstate. Well, there were motels in McQuarhawk and, and uh, tourist cabins. I remember staying in tourist cabins as a kid. The parents would go on a fishing trip, a camping trip, and, and uh, before we arrived, arrived at night, and you'd go into a tourist cabin for that night. And you'd gone out of there in the morning, and then you go on a camping trip. But you don't want to pull in, pull in at night on a camping trip. So Put up your tent at night. It's never a, never a fun thing. So Anyway, our economy nationally is declining, just as it is in the entire world. Now, don't look at the stock market and base your economy on that. You've got a bunch of companies at the top of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, like Facebook. Now, Facebook uh, was started by a college student named Mark Zuckerberg, who is now a multi-billionaire. Facebook makes it real convenient to swap information between individuals. They like to talk about themselves. People are not at all concerned about privacy anymore, most people. They just lay a whole life out there, and their opinions on a daily basis and anybody in the whole world can read about what they think. And the person that puts it out there thinks that's important.
0: I don't spend a lot of time on that. And then there's, there's uh, corporate, you know,
1: Everybody, one third of the people in the world, one third of the people in the world have a Facebook page. That is immense. You know, you're looking at 120 billion people have accounts with Facebook and lay out their life for the world to see. So you have Facebook friends, and I got a whole bunch of people want to want to friend me and spam me with information that I do not need and don't have time to look at. And kids today are walking around. I had a college girl down at the University of Maine walk right out in front of me. She's got both thumbs going a mile a minute, texting somebody. Walked right out in the road right in front of me. I'm not talking about one of these little side streets between the dorms. The main drag there, whatever they call it, was down between the university and the steam plant don't know the name of that road but it parallels the river and he was walking down toward the parking lot down at the
0: steam plant and just walked right out. Never looked either way. So it's these cell phones, smartphones have are really changing society. You've got very quick exchanges of information. We, uh, now by before I get too far off the gas and
1: fuel, tankers in South Portland are being used to supplement the tank farm because the tanks are full. They've got all kinds of different fuels. You've got gasoline. You've got uh diesel, and you've got Bunker C, and you've got kerosene. And uh, these fuels in the tank farm are tanks are pretty much full. People, are look, people that own this fuel are looking for places to put it, and they're storing it in tankers so that are normally in transit on the ocean. But we've talked about the uh, Baltic Dry Index before and that's an indication of of what you can hire a ship for to haul your cargo. And we've got liquid liquid ships to take uh fuel oil and gasoline and various petroleum products, motor oil, you know.
0: And then we've got uh then we've got dry cargo ships. We could take a whole ship full
1: of wheat or corn or oats or soybeans or whatever. All good good food and also used to make ethanol, which they use to contaminate our gasoline. I won't get off on that tangent today. but It's, uh, it's another thing that drags down our economy is, is the creation of ethanol. We were using the ethanol, the the feed grains, whether it's corn or soybeans or whatever scrap uh, grain that they're using to make ethanol. If we put that into its efficient purpose, which is feedstock for livestock and food for people, I like oatmeal. It's but other than ham and eggs, it's my favorite breakfast, and you don't don't get ham and eggs all that often. But I love oatmeal. Some raisins or currants in there. That's just one. A bowl of
0: oatmeal is what I have for breakfast a lot. It's good, healthy food, and it's good. It's efficient, but you don't put on a lot of weight. I'm I'm losing a little weight uh,
1: intentionally. I got heavier than I like to be. I'm not talking about obese, but I got a little heavier than I like to be in the last winter and early spring. Didn't get much exercise last winter, like I normally do. So I'm getting back down to my the weight where I want to be. Oatmeal helps to do that. They advertised it like that years ago. It's a good good way to lose weight and still have energy and
0: all that stuff. It's true, okay we're going into a period where we're gonna of course we've got an election
1: we got at the end of July we got August, September, and October three months and a week to uh to consider how we're gonna vote this fall. We don't have a lot of choice. You know, neither party has put up an optimum candidate. No, there, there are Democrats that are decent, honorable people for the most part. And uh, they would probably make good administrators or good executives, in the executive branch of government. There are a few of them out there. And uh, I'm thinking about... Uh, George Mitchell, when he was younger, he's a little long in the tooth right now to be running for president, but people like him. He was a good negotiator. He was a good diplomat. He brought peace to several areas in the world. He'd sit, sit people down and essentially say, well, okay, what's your plan? You know, We don't like those guys. Yeah, I know that. Where do you want to be five years from now? Do you want to be killing each other five years from now, ten years from now? What's the cutoff date here? You know, you really want to be killing each other ten years from now? And they would sit down there, and that would kind of set them back a little bit. And he says, "Okay, now, look, now we read. You don't want to be killing each other ten years from now. Okay, all right. That that's a good step in the right direction. How about if you stopped right now? You know, in, in a month from now, you weren't killing each other." Would that be a good? Thing? Well, we're still mad at him. Yeah, I, I know that, you know. But <laughs> and it, it's it sorted out, you know. It's it, that's that's logical diplomacy and honorable diplomacy. Right? George Mitchell was good at that. He worked in Maine on the land Indian land claims settlement, and he made the the paper companies give large tracts of land to the various tribes in Maine the Micmacs and the Maliseets got cut out of that pattern they, they got they just didn't get anything out of it but the Passamaquoddies and the Penobscots made out like a bandit they got this back in 1974 75 era and uh, they got some large tracts of land and some of it is fee land and some of it is trust land the fee land they own simply, in other words, they can they can log it, they can sell it, they can do whatever they want with it. They can develop it if they wanted to. And then the trust land is is theirs to manage. It's always going to be theirs, and they cannot sell it. And uh, you know, within their own their own tribes, they have their own polit- political political. Uh, agendas. And some wanted to sell it right away, take the money and spend it. Other ones want to carefully manage it for future generations. Those are the elders for the most part. And you know, we ought to listen to the elders. People like Jack McCarthy. Bob Roy and people on this station. And because they know stuff. They experienced it. They learned it. Firsthand,
0: back when the media was reporting news accurately. For example, Hillary Clinton got out of college and uh,
1: went to law school. Bill Clinton was a Rhodes Scholar. They sent him off to Cecil Rhodes Finishing School. They do that with with young people that are that are intelligent and. Confused. <laughs> now. Every, everybody's heard the term absent-minded professor. The, as people go, learn more and more, they have to specialize. So they study less and less. For example, the oceanographers and people that study life in the oceans have discovered a new whale. Now the whale's always been there. But it's a it's one of the. It's a whale that's only two thirds the size of its relatives. And the Japanese have known about this whale for years. They've caught him in nets, and they they have a name for it. But it's a different species than the other whales. And they figure, well, maybe it's just a dwarf from this other species because dwarfs occur in many species. Cats and dogs and horses. I mean, there are some really small horses. And if you selectively breed them, they'll get even smaller. Well, they found this whale off of Alaska. It it floated up on the beach, dead. And they took samples and they ran genetic samples and there were no other whales like it. It's a unique thing. This whale is different than other whales genetically. The Japanese well, yeah, we've been telling you about that for years. The fishermen, but the scientists haven't studied it. So they took. They had a whale skeleton in a high school in Alaska. The whole skeleton. When they 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 don't waste much. The the Eskimos, or the First Nation people in Alaska, have a culture that goes back and says, "Don't waste stuff. You might need it." So they. You know they eat a lot of a lot of uh blubber from walruses and whales I and mean, it's
0: huge it's,
1: it's like butter fat is fat fat from soybeans is has essentially the same number of calories per pound as butter or lard you know it, essentially nutritionally fat is fat and <clears throat> if they can get if they can kill a walrus or a seal i mean that's lots of that's food for quite a while for their family unit or for the tribe and so when this whale came up on the beach they took the whole whale and fleshed it out and used as much as they could but they realized they had a unique skeleton there and they they cleaned it down and hung up the skeleton in the high school as a display, and this this is not one a blue whale, which is the world's largest animal, and it's a giant thing, eighty feet long or more this uh this is a small whale, not much bigger than a porpoise, but it's not a porpoise, it's a whale. So anyway, they took a DNA sample from the bone marrow from this whale, and it's identical to the DNA sample from the whale that just washed up on the beach this recently. And then they went and they got some tissue samples that were left over from one of these whales that the Japanese had caught, and it's the same species. Well, now they're all excited, because here we are with a new Species just discovered. This is not some hybrid thing, a plant or something in Indonesia. You know, it's this is a a whale is an established species, and the scientists had no idea this whale existed.
0: It's just fascinating. Now. I spoke about elders
1: and people that remember things.
0: Some people see
1: the nightly news on TV, and it's in one ear and out the other. It's like listening to the radio going down the road. And people, many people just listen to it as background information. It's it's in one ear and out the other. It's entertainment, and that's okay. But some people say, "Hey, now look at this. This is connected to this because they've studied what the colleges call political science, and a better term would be political history. Because it's certainly not a science. A science is something where you can where you can do an experiment." And measure the results, and do it over again, and you're going to get the same results. College students, mechanical engineering students, for example, go through, and they they do tests and verification, and it it teaches the student to be able to predict what will happen. In other words, if you use a beam, of, take a beam of this size made out of this material and you bend it, you can measure how far it will bend before it breaks or cracks or whatever, and they measure these things, and they document them, and it's important to be able to do this in order to be able to design buildings and bridges and various structures of all kinds, oil derricks, uh, tanks, trucks, they all follow the same basic principles, and the classes are our statics, dynamics, strength of materials—I am a mechanical engineer. I did all that stuff. Remember some of it. It's important to remember some of it. it keeps you out of trouble. So the elders can relate things that happen today to things that have happened before. And you, you know, some things you just want to avoid. Say, don't do that. And like the time I helped a young couple set the ridgepole up in their log home, and my shoulder came apart. And, it, you know, I think to myself, don't do that
0: ever again. <laughs> it hurts. So, we've got some things that we don't want to repeat like giving Hillary Clinton some
1: authority. Now, Hillary Clinton got out of college, went to law school, tried to take the, the, passed the bar exam in Washington, D.C., and flunked it, tried another place and flunked it. Finally, she got down to Alabama with Bill Clinton, and he got, he got elected to some state office. I forget whether it was, maybe he was attorney general down there. And uh young fellow, up-and-coming lawyer, smart guy. And uh, Hillary finally passed the bar exam down there in Arkansas. And then she met a fellow who uh, was in, in the real estate business. And they set up a big subdivision down there called uh, Whitewater. And there's some brooks and streams down there in Arkansas where they have go whitewater canoeing and stuff. And it's a recreational thing. It's a kind of a popular name. We've got whitewater canoeing and rafting in Maine. So they they named it Whitewater and they started selling these lots and then they started refinancing and. And the thing finally went belly up. One guy went to jail. Uh, One of the investors in Whitewater went to jail for 20 years for fraud. But Hillary, since she was married to the Attorney General, didn't get charged. So she got off of that scot-free. And then she got into another scheme where she would invest some money. And then months later you would get paid back well, there's a system where you can invest in cattle futures You know what are cattle going to be worth and if you follow backwards not, not from the day you invest but if you go six months into the future you can follow backwards and say gee if I had done this I'd have made this much money and if I'd have done this I'd make this much money so you work the system backwards to the point where she invested ten thousand or whatever it was, and all of a sudden she made one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars profit on her ten thousand dollar investment. And the cattle brokerage firm that conducted the investment presents her with a check for one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. She didn't know squat about cattle. It was a scam, but she collected and uh, her whole whole life she's been doing this. She sold out the United States of America for $200 million. Roughly how much in the last few years that foreign governments have invested in the Clinton Foundation, which is a charity, non-profit. Okay? The Clinton Foundation doesn't support charities very often. They probably have some token donations from here for publicity purposes. But she went to India and she told this large group of Indian corporate executives that she was going to continue to let the United States do lots of their customer service work and computer support work in India and they thought this was a really good thing, and they paid her you know millions of dollars to to uh to give these speeches and they asked like, she got hauled in front of Congress, and the congressmen started asking her, you know what about what about this hundred and seventy five thousand dollars you were you were given for a fifteen minute speech and she says, "Well, that's what they offered." <laughs> But that's her answer. That's what they offered. And she, give, she gave a talk about something, but they don't release the content of what she talked. But on this particular one in India, they've got it on video. You have got a video of Hillary Clinton telling these Indian executives that she was going to keep this green card program going where their employees can come to the United States and work for less money than Americans would would work, but for five or ten times what they would be making in India. So they send these guys over. These guys would double their income, and 80% more was going back to the corporation in India. This is a heck of a good deal for corporations in India.
0: And she did $200 million worth of this while she was Secretary of State. And then they discovered that she had information,
1: top-secret information, from the State Department of our nation
0: on her home computer down in her basement. And Oh, it was.
1: Just, we were just, you know, I was Secretary of State at that time, but we were just talking about Chelsea's wedding. We were talking about baby showers and stuff like that on there, you know. Well, I'm sure she probably did have some of that on there. But she also had the nuclear codes that anybody could have, I say anybody, you know, I couldn't do it. Couldn't crack into somebody else's computer, but there are people that specialize in this, like the like Snowden, who is in Russia at the moment. And he was a private first class in the U.S. Army, but he was a computer expert, and he put him working on computers, and he put him working on trying to break into other people's computers. Well, once you've got that skill. You can use it for various ways, some of which are not beneficial. <laughs> so Snowden cracked, got into uh, somebody did. I don't know if Snowden did. Somebody got into the Democratic National Committee's computer system, their hard drive, where they deliberately prevented Bernie Sanders from ever being successful as a candidate. It was a deliberate, planned plan, and they said so in writing to their various co conspirators. And Bernie Sanders knew they were doing this to him, and they told him, ah, you're crazy. You know, they called him Crazy Bernie. Well, he's a little weird. You know, he is a socialist, self avowed socialist. Yeah, socialist is just a, a a communist. It's not quite as as uh, desperate, you know. <laughs> they say communists are socialists in a hurry. Well, socialists and communists are communists, and not in not as big a hurry. So Bernie said it was fixed. Well, it's true. It was fixed. They admitted it. So they fired the. They fired the head of the Democrat National Committee, Debbie Wasserman, I think her name is. And they, so they fired her, or they made her made her resign. So she couldn't run the convention that she had set up. And then the ink wasn't even dry on that, and Hillary fired her as her campaign manager or associate manager or, or something, running the Hillary campaign. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, that's her name. So, she, you know, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. Well, she's going to keep a close eye on Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Meanwhile, one of the guys who was right in on this Democrat National Committee uh, initiative to... to sabotage Crazy Bernie's campaign was shot in the back
0: two days ago. Okay? He was not robbed. All of his personal effects were still on his body. He
1: just stepped out of his apartment or his condo, whatever, was shot in the back, and he dead. He knew more about this this, uh, sabotage of Bernie Sanders' campaign than anybody else. And he's one more dead body associated with Hillary Clinton. Well, at last count, when I mentioned this two weeks ago, it was 42 that we know of. Well, now it's 43. And those people close to Hillary need to be nervous. Real nervous. Because when she can go around selling out our country for $200 million and get away with it, she's got people in her ring of co-conspirators who will do just about anything. Like this fellow who worked for the Democratic National Committee who was shot in the back. You might even see this picked up by the mainstream media sometime in the next few months. But she didn't, didn't make the It didn't make the New York Times today, the Philadelphia Inquirer, or the Atlanta Constitution, or any one of those left-wing rags. It wasn't on Provda on the Penobscot, which is the Bangor Daily News. Eventually, you'll start seeing it picked up by the mainstream media. Stuff on the Northern Maine Landman Show fills up three, four, five
0: months after it was on the show. You know, you don't have to be some kind of a genius to dig these out. What you do need to
1: have is a frame of reference where you've seen this before. You
0: say, oh, that's how
1: that connects. We've got a group out in Washington and Oregon who is really getting wound up about Agenda 21. Agenda 21 is a international conspiracy to control people and nations in the 21st century. It's not the 21st agenda in the list of a long line of agendas, 19, Agenda 19, Agenda 20, Agenda 21. Agenda 21 is the United Nations' plan to rule the world in the 21st century. And they have things down on the coast of Maine, for example, like uh, Gateway 1. It's a big conspiracy to control the coast of Maine. Well, the coast of Maine is a real pretty place. Everybody agrees on that. They want to control what people can do there. It's like the National River System, Heritage Rivers. They came up to they came up to Maine uh, 20 years ago, and they wanted to designate the Penobscot River a Heritage River no new construction within a quarter of a mile of the river and get rid of all that they can that's already been built by our fathers and our grandfathers along the river. I have stood with one foot on each side of the Penobscot River at its origin right up near the Quebec border up on Route 201 going up into Quebec head north from Jackman there's a place up there, there's a brook You can stand there in the summertime with one foot on each side of the Penobscot River. And up in that same swamp are the origins of the Kennebec and the Androscoggin. Take a look at it sometime. Up on the map, you'll see you follow the Kennebec River all the way up as far as you can. And you follow the Androscoggin all the way up as far as you can. It goes out of Maine into New Hampshire and back out. And they got the 12 mile woods in New Hampshire with the Androscoggin River it has nothing on it. It's just the river. And you got a road up one side of it, and the main main boundary is on the east side, and then you got the river, and then you got the road.
0: And uh, great trout fishing. But these, they want to control the watersheds. The watershed is
1: everything in the entire nation. And they look at, if you took a five-gallon bucket and dumped it out, which direction would it run? Dry ground. Okay? Well, obviously, it's going to run downhill. Eventually, it'll get into the ocean. And they want to control all of our watersheds, which is all of the land. They say that. Well, if you own it, I mean, you own any land, you're in some kind of a watershed. I'm on the local planning board. And... uh, Been on it for over 25 years. I think it was 89 or 90 that I got elected to it. And I thought, well, you know, something to do to help the town. Planning boards have a huge amount of influence over what people can do with their property. And you can, a surveyor came in. John Cahoon. First time I ever met John. Good guy. John is a, was a good property rights advocate. He came in with a a preliminary proposal for a subdivision. He came in there, took his hat off, and stood there with his hat in his hand and said, I have come to present a preliminary proposal for a subdivision in this town. stepped back as if he was afraid somebody was going to hit him. (laughs) And I get up, walked around the table. I said, "Pleased to meet you. What can we do to help you?" And he was flabbergasted. He'd never been met with that type of of greeting by a town. Most towns started out suspicious, and they reply with, "Well, if we let you do this, what are you going to do for us?" Just like lurk. And they were. We had a lot of people in planning boards that were placed in towns, essentially by lurk they would get their friends who were greens to run for town office and people didn't realize who they were electing and next thing you know they've got all kinds of zoning and and uh, restrictions in town comprehensive plans they think they can sit there some night in a planning board meeting and decide what's going to be good for the town for the next century or so that's what these are. Comprehensive plans. They plan comprehensively for for your future. Not a good thing. So we talked with John John Calhoun, and uh what can we do what can we do to help you? If you're gonna subdivide this chunk of land into fifteen or twenty lots, you know, thirty, forty acres each, uh you're going to raise the tax base of the town because a 40-acre lot is worth more per acre than a 200-acre lot. And the smaller they get, the more they're worth.
0: A 5-acre lot might be worth $15,000. And sometimes a 40-acre lot is not worth $15,000 if the trees have just been cut. So You
1: have to look at the bigger picture. But John came in and we said, "Okay, here we go." You know, had another guy come in and he called me aside after the meeting. He said, "I want to do a subdivision," and he said, uh, "He said I'm going to need some help on it." I said, "Okay, what would you like to do?" He said, "Well, I got—I run a sawmill, and I've got a piece of land that's about 120 acres. I'd like to break it up into ten into ten-acre lots." up along the road here, and let my employees buy these lots and pay pay me on time. Now, if it's a splitter, I know i got to have a subdivision. And uh, he said, well, I, I can't do it. I said, what do you mean? I said, you you, you can do that. I said, yeah, he said, well, I can't fill out the paperwork. I said, why not? He said, I can't read. The man was very smart. He was ran a successful business, but he had dyslexia. Now, when he went to school, he was simply labeled as a, he's a good kid. Played sports, you know, enthusiastic guy. Had some leadership ability, but he never did well in school. And the school moved him through the system. And when he went to school, a long time ago now they didn't know what dyslexia was I never heard the word dyslexia until my wife became involved in special education this man could not read the printed page he had other people do that for him and he ran a very successful business but these people that worked for him didn't have the the skill set to complete a subdivision application, I said "All right, we can get this done This man has passed away now, but people could probably figure out from what I'm telling who it was. And his family knew his condition, but he didn't know what it was called. And when, when this event happened more than two decades ago, I had not heard the word dyslexia. But I knew there were people that were, for whatever reason, you know, weren't able to read. It certainly wasn't because of a lack of intelligence.
0: So I helped him out, and then i there were
1: seventeen things that you have to do to get a subdivision approved it's state law, mainland use statutes. so he did this you know he filled out these forms and then i I took and I preserved the forms, no names or no dates and and I'll just pick a name, invent a name here, and I made these forms into a series of affidavits. I, Homer Shekelgruber, certify that the change of ownership of this land will not in and of itself cause soil erosion, will not in and of itself overburden the local water supply, will not in and of itself overburden the waste treatment plant will not overburden the municipal uh, sewage plant. We didn't have these things. But you have to fill it out. This is state law. And then you have to have a surveyor uh, draw a preliminary subdivision plan. And a few things that have to be done by professionals. But basically, the individual can do these things if he's got the skill set. And if you hand him a stack of papers that's there are affidavits and have them sign the affidavits with no written information in opposition to that the subdivision gets approved well our town adopted it it's not a law it's just a practice You know, okay here you go here's this stack of stuff fill it out other towns heard about it and they're using the thing so it, it makes it easier for a person to benefit from the ownership of his property and this is not hard to figure out. It's a good valuable service. People don't pay planning boards. Most most towns do not pay their planning boards. In our in our school board, school board members get 10 bucks a meeting payable at the end of the year. So in December meeting they pass out checks and if you've been faithful and if you you've attended uh we usually have 10 meetings a year our school board some school boards meet every other week, year-round, summertime and everything. And they uh, and they pay themselves whatever they get paid. But uh, at the end of the year, you know, we get a check. So if you've been to 10 meetings, you get a check
0: for $100 in December, which is a good time to get $100. And then you've got systems where the system becomes... So
1: overbearing you call it honestly call it tyrannical and we fought a revolution against tyranny on April 19 1775 we said no we had a really good apple seed last weekend it was hotter than blue blazes over at colhegan. it was 89 or 90 over there might have gotten over 90 for a couple of hours I'm not sure but we got some new riflemen and uh we had twenty shooters show up, you got a list of twenty people, and they assign themselves their own skill level. Skill level one is a novice. Skill number five at the top of the list is experienced uh shooter, you know, very experienced. They're probably an NRA instructor or something and and we had a guy show up last weekend who was Put himself down as experienced. Experience level is five. This guy flopped down and shot a perfect score at the first target. He had a rifle that he had built. It's an exotic 1022 modified. I think the only thing in that 1022 that was original from the factory was the receiver itself. He replaced the firing pin and the extractor and triggers, and assembly, and automatic bolt release. And uh, extended mag release, exotic stock, and new barrel. I mean, everything <laughs> it was was custom made. And that thing was shooting. If you do your part, that is shooting to one hole all day long. I have a rifle like that. Mine isn't that exotic, but it does have a lot of bells and whistles. Got five of those here. And there's no two alike. But we had and when the novices did well. I mean they had they were when you first start out they're all over the paper. They just don't don't have the skill set. We give them the skills. So at the end of two days they can reliably hit a twenty inch square at five hundred yards. That's awesome. You know, they can't when they realize what they can do. You know, you get the biggest grin, (laughs) And, and it's fun. We teach them the history and the heritage and the courage that our forefathers showed. And at the end, we have a benediction. These forefathers that we had that founded our country were honorable men, courageous men, faithful men. And John Adams, who became the second president of the United States, walked Battle Road from Concord back to Boston the day after, on April 20th, 1775, and he wrote a letter to his wife, Abigail, and he said, within the letter, he wrote a letter to us, you and me, today's Americans whether you were born in Poland or whether you were born and raised here in the United States, he wrote a letter to us because we are the posterity, the the followers of the founders of our nation. Whether you're directly descended from them or whether you join the group as an immigrant, a lawful, legal immigrant, And he said, posterity, you will never know what it costs to obtain your freedom. And if you do not make good use of it, I shall repent in heaven all the pains we took to obtain it. John Adams, April 20th, 1775. I don't have to look this stuff up. It's part of my DNA now. And the people, when you tell the story... Some of the people get tears in their eyes because they never heard it. They don't know what the sacrifices were that were made for our freedom. And you get these scumbags today, the politicians who don't know the story either. They're just milking the system for what
0: they can get out of it. People like Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, And Hubble, Webster Hubble, he was involved in that same scheme that Hillary was involved in
1: back then, back around 1992. And uh, boy, that's yeah, uh, web Hubble. And they, there were a lot of them. Like, I can't recall all the names, but they're easy to look up. And there were videos made back then when Bill Clinton first ran, ran for office. They made videos showing what a couple of crooks these people were. He got elected anyway. I mean, eight years ago, Barack Obama was running for president. He was a first-term senator. He'd been a state senator in Illinois, and he'd been a community organizer in South Chicago where they kill about about 40 to 60 young black men and get killed every weekend or shot in Chicago. And that's okay, because these young, poor black guys, you know, they don't really think that Black Lives Matter. They don't. They had 10 or a dozen moms up there on the stage at the Democrat Convention. You know, these are Black Lives Matter moms because their young criminal got shot by police. And they had 12 of these bombs up there on the stage. They didn't have any of the wives and moms of the white police officers that were killed by Black Lives Matter people. And this is not, should not be a racial issue in our nation. It's a human rights issue. And if you've got some law enforcement officer who abuses his authority, he's in the wrong line of work and he should be removed from that position. Maybe he should go to jail. But then you get this mayor in Baltimore who said on TV, well, you've got to give our people a room to destroy. And they let them destroy whole neighborhoods in Baltimore for something to do. It's like 1968 when they destroyed whole neighborhoods in Watts, in South Watts, in Los Angeles. And these guys, mostly guys, very few women, these young guys destroyed whole neighborhoods. But today we have young Asians from Cambodia and Vietnam, mostly. But back then, 1968, we had a lot of young Asians from Korea. After the Korean War, they were, you know, after every war, the countries that were most directly involved are have an economic disruption and it's really difficult to make a living and the people will emigrate from there legally to another country and the Koreans are nationally they're smart people they they took they built an automobile industry out of nothing and Hyundai. Is a good little reliable car they've got a hundred thousand mile warranty on them, and it's made in korea and Now they're building plants in the United States. They had one up in quebec they couldn't They could not meet the requirements of the unions and the government in Quebec and they wound up closing the plant down They built them in Quebec
0: for a while until they were squeezed out. Mercedes has a plant in Alabama.
1: Good, reliable American people building cars and SUVs. We can get this sorted out if we've got good, honest people that are working in our behalf. Now, when Donald Trump wanted to build Trump Tower in New York, he put out an invitation to bid. And the company that got the bid was from Poland. And they brought a whole bunch of people in from Poland and housed them in New York, and they built Trump Towers. And these guys are making $4.20 an hour. And these American contractors bid three or four times more than that to get the Trump Tower built. It's still just as good as it would have been, no matter who built it, because it was built to spec. Donald Trump Brought in these foreign workers to do the job. That's that's a fact. It's going to come out over and over again. The campaign might as well air it out right now. But he's not a crook. They've never accused him for he takes advantage from a business point of view. That's competition. You want to defeat the enemy. You want to win the game. Football, basketball, hockey. You want to win the game. Baseball. I think football, basketball, hockey, and baseball are about, that's about the order of priorities right now. Baseball is no longer our national sport. And here we are, used up the hour, and I didn't get half the stuff. We covered the tornado, though. We covered Hillary being a blatant liar, thief, and crook. That about sums it up. We don't want to elect this woman to any office in the future in our nation have to do something different.
0: We can't let this happen. All right. This has been the Northern Maine Landman Show on the Constitutional Radio Network, Conscience of Maine.
1: Broadcast today on WXME 780 a.m. in Monticello, 1700 a.m. in Lewiston, 88.1 FM in Westbrook and Orono, 96.5 FM in Brewer and Bangor, Maine. Heard this July thirtieth, two thousand sixteen. Be safe. God bless.
0: Wise men follow him. They rose again. Wise men follow him.